brand, and because I trust you, I don't have to record the call because you're Brandon. It's me! Welcome, fellow sleuths, to Meddling Adults, and specifically Meddling Mailbag Season 3 of Meddling Adults. I'm here, as always, joined by our editor, Brandon Grugel, Hello. to go over some questions and talk about life and stuff. Brandon, how is it going? It's going well. Um, this is the first time I thought about it, but it does sound like we're going to solve mail crimes, like postal fraud. Oh, ooh, that, I mean... I think that would be very fun. <laughs> there was one episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine that was all about mail fraud and stuff. And Kelly went to jury duty once for a mail fraud related crime. And though I don't think I'm supposed to share the details of what <laughs> happened, I think I can now because the case is over. But just in case. It's probably public record. It's, I think it's public record. But it was a very intense trial surrounding what was going on they, they, that whole mcmillions the whole hbo oh yeah documentary which is very very good that all came down to the fact that and the reason that the fbi was able to get involved and then start arresting people is because they used the mail the usps to go about their crime which made it a federal offense mm-hmm. yeah I, you we can bring watching, down the mafia with it we just started this show on hbo that i'm forgetting now but it's about each episode is one individual like con artist oh and uh that's how they always that's how they always get them it's mail fraud okay i need to i need to watch this because there's one on netflix called dirty money which i love mm. it's basically what i think true crime should be replaced by because basically every episode of dirty money is like here's some rich asshole that did this white collar <laughs> crime and then they always get caught it's the best <laughs> <laughs> it always ends with them getting put in jail. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, there was a assistant uh, attorney general that on that was interviewed on this episode, and he was like, "Yeah, I have very little sympathy for white collar crimes." <laughs> uh, well, speaking of crimes, this is meddling adults where we kind of talk about crimes and stuff, but we're talking about season three of meddling adults, which was very fun and we got some fun guests and we brought in some new detectives into the fray and I have put the word out for people to send in questions and they did and I didn't look at them I just passed them along to you for Mm -hmm. fun authenticity anonymity not coming into this with a preconceived answer purposes Mm -hmm. so shall we get into questions we should and I took out all of the praise for you so your ego won't get too (laughs) big hey Mike this podcast sucks ass but I was wondering (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's start with a question from, um, let me see, Brandon Grugel. Uh, (laughs) Did you have a favorite episode this season? Favorite mystery? Favorite show? You introduced a new series. Oh, man. Doing the Shelby Woo stuff was very fun. I did enjoy just finding new mysteries to unlock. That was very fun. We also introduced Veronica Mars, which was a good time, but since I didn't really watch it, it was someone who watched it ahead and gave me some awesome recaps. Thank you so much to Mandy for making that happen. But I really enjoyed going through the Shelby Wu stuff, especially because I remember that show existing, but I couldn't tell you a single detail aside from general premise. I didn't even remember that 
Pat Morita, aka Mr. Miyagi, was in the show. Yeah. Like, (laughs) when I started researching, I was like, oh, right, that was a whole thing. So it was was fun to do that again. As far as a favorite episode, it's hard. It's like choosing between my children. I really enjoyed all of them. I think I will say this, and this shouldn't hurt anyone's feelings, is doing the one with Mike and Ian from How to Do Everything Mm. had to have been my favorite because I I tried to keep my cool as much as I could in the recording, which Brandon listened in on. But (laughs) How to Do Everything is, I think, my favorite podcast ever. Same. And it is just, a perfect, perfect podcast. I cannot recommend it enough, even though the show isn't making new episodes anymore. It is, it's just a, a perfectly executed podcast that was so ahead of its time. If that show came out two years later, it would be serial WTF Joe Rogan experience. Like it would be the number one podcast of all time. It's perfect. Yeah. I'm so thankful that you told me about it, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think they, it was like a project they were probably just doing on their off time because I think they were. At least one of them, but both of them, I think, were working on um, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Yeah, they're the both they're both producers, and I think they still are of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. One of them is. I think one of them is not uh, anymore. Okay. But I think Ian might have left. Maybe Mike still does it. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. a perfect podcast. Go listen to it. Um, yeah. To come full circle with it, you suggested it to me when I first pitched what became Modern Muckraker to Multitude. When I first told you the idea of it, you were, you said, this kind of sounds like this podcast. Have you ever heard of it? Mm-hmm. And then I listened to it and I was like, oh, wow. And they just, oh, the way they do interviews is iconic. <laughs> there are so many good episodes. I have, I have two, I always like, habitually delete downloaded episodes off my phone of podcasts but i always keep two episodes of how to do everything saved in stock (laughs) just in case rainy day (laughs) that or if you're somewhere and i'm like oh no i forgot to download an episode before leaving i always have these two episodes and i will pull them up because one's like one's called like burritos uh it's something about a closed burrito (laughs) mobsters burritos and goodbyes and we don't want to startle you those are the two that i have permanently downloaded on my phone just in case they are also since they're shorter episodes they're 20 megabytes and 11 megabytes so it's not really taking up a whole lot of room on the show whereas some podcasts that i listen to are these you know two hour long sports things where the production team isn't smart enough to compress it at all so it's a 300 megabyte file or whatever hi (laughs) and mike and ian were wonderful they tell you they tell you not to meet your heroes but they were both wonderful and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you should meet them if you can, but don't be worried about it. Mm-hmm. All right, you want to jump into questions? Yeah, let's jump into questions. Yes, yes, yes. But that 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 would be my favorite episode this season, just from a very biased like. I I'm so glad now, after having a podcast with Potterless and Horse for so long that our shows where it's like, ah, oh, people, I can't just have people on the show. I have to have people that know a thing on the show. It is so refreshing to have meddling adults where I can just be like, hey, person I like, yeah. want to be on the show? Like, my parents were on it. So it is it is <laughs> nice from a creative perspective to just try to, like, shoot my shot towards getting people I really like on the show. And there is, uh, there is one particular guest that was supposed to be on season three, and some stuff fell through the cracks, but hopefully they'll be on season four that I don't want to jinx. So I'll knock on wood here that they're going to be on but uh hopefully season four a lot of people will be like what so uh that would be cool <laughs> um i'm sure your parents will be very happy to hear on this episode that you like them that was great <laughs> no, well they will not be listening because they still don't know how to work <laughs> podcasting apps thankfully you know they haven't figured out podcasting apps they haven't figured out patreon they were able to figure out kickstarter which was good that's good uh that, that was nice that that helped a lot because they were very uh they, they were very generous with their support <laughs> Uh, my mom is very sweet. She texts me every now and again. It's like, how is everything going with your job? And um, 
she one time recently she asked me like a follow-up question and i was like mom you still don't know what i do for a living do you she was like (laughs) no i do not (laughs) what's fun is one of my mom's friends i think from her tennis team in texas listens either either her tennis team or her book club she listens to Potterless whenever they road trip to visit their daughter, I think, who lives like in Louisiana or something. So when they go on road trips, she will text my mom about Potterless <laughs> stuff if I ever talked about her or the family or whatever. So my mom at least now is getting the Barb specific stories <laughs> by proxy through her friend that listens to my podcast. That's wonderful. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. All right. Let's dive into our first question. This one is from Amy. Uh, they say, hi, love your podcast. Do you have a favorite one to make? Oh. So not necessarily your favorite one, but what's the favorite one that is the best process to make? It is hard. It Again, it is like choosing between my children. I genuinely enjoy recording all of them, but there's something about doing meddling adults that is just so silly and so wholesome that that comes through in the episodes, especially when some of the guests that I get on the show are are higher profile people. Like I had Jason Concepcion on who I've tried to have on podcasts for years and stuff has always just kind of fallen through. Mm -hmm. And I'm always very nervous when I have big name people on the show, but everyone just seems to have a really fun time doing it. Like you can attest to this at the end of the episode with Mike and Ian, they were, they were very much like the vibe was, Oh, we'll do this tomorrow. If you want, like they, like it seemed like they just had a very fun time. So I think the guests just have a really fun time doing meddling adults. And that seeps through into me just having a fun experience. So for the act of actually recording, I would say meddling adults from a prep perspective, I would say horse because I, I have to do the least prep because I'm talking about something I know a lot about already. <laughs> and I usually don't have to do very much research or whatever. Whereas like Potterless, obviously I got to read or watch something and meddling adults sometimes, sometimes it's great. I pick an encyclopedia brown book and there's four good mysteries in it and I'm done. And then other times I've read like 12 that are too easy or too hard. And I'm like, no, my God, it's three in the morning and I'm still I'm up reading encyclopedia brown books. I'm like, <laughs> God damn it. Just give me one that works for the show. <laughs> That's a good lesson for, um, I think anyone who makes podcasts out there and has guests on the show. Like, uh, it's so stress-free to record this show um, because there's mm-hmm. literally no prep for guests. And I won't name yes. any names, but one of our colleagues guested on another show. And uh, it's a thing, a topic that this our colleague knows like backwards and forwards. But there was so much, so many asks from the oh, really? podcast when he was guesting on it. It took him like literally like days to prep for the show. And it's wow, not worth it. Like, don't do that to your guests. <laughs> yes. I, I have talked about doing this with Multitude, but I really do think now that I have a little bit more free time, I, I'm going to actually do it of make a best practices for guest practices of just like being nice to your guests. Because especially recently when I put out the feelers of, hey, I want to guest on a bunch of shows to get the word out about Modern Muckraker. Thankfully, I think for all of these in this instance, everyone did a really good job of this. So not to put any of these people on blast, but in the past, there have been times where people have made like my my job as a guest hard, kind of like the thing you just described. And 
you really should make things easy for a guest. Mm -hmm. Like if you're doing something, I don't know, like don't make a guest watch a full movie and unless, I mean, you could, that's not too bad if they know what they're getting into. Unless it's like like fun, right? Like unless they agree to something they want to do, like with Sequoia on on, uh, her podcast, but that's something that you agree upon in advance and it's fun to do. Yeah, that's what's nice about meddling adults is I just tell people, like, all you have to do is pick a charity. That's all you have to do. And please record your own audio. Like, that's it. And that makes it nice. So, yeah. So, I think we move on to the next question, which is a fun one. Okay. Um, No choosing between your babies. Good, good, good. (laughs) Who's your favorite parent? (laughs) (laughs) This is from Rachel. Uh, They say, hi, Mike. Thanks so much for creating an awesome podcast. As someone who moved to Florida a couple years ago, I appreciate the Florida digs immensely. Good. Okay, good. (laughs) I I guess since they moved to Florida, it is like when I first moved to Texas and I was like, grumble, grumble, Texas sucks. (laughs) (laughs) My question is, and they have two of them. First one, which is your favorite Daphne comeback from a Scooby-Doo episode? Ooh, they're good. I really enjoyed from this season when she told the Mike Fury, Mad Mike Fury Road, when she told him to go torque something. I thought that was, that was great, <laughs> especially because his response was just, Ugh! but yeah, go torque something is really solid. But oh, there was also the ba- the the baseball one where someone like. They, the whole thing is that they think that she's just a ditzy girl and then she knows actually stuff about the sport. Mm-hmm. I think that was a good one. I remember exactly what the line is, but someone's like, you don't know anything. And then she spews off a specific thing about the team. I thought that was really, really solid too for what, what new Scooby-Doo does with Daphne, which is like, she's not the damsel in distress anymore. Yeah. She is the damsel that is putting people in distress with sick comebacks. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. All right. Question two from Rachel. And this is a hard one. Which band rocks more, Smash Mouth or Simple Plan? Oh, Simple Plan. It's, it's I mean, <laughs> like we love we love Smash Mouth. We love All Star. We love Walking on the Sun. Not really any other songs of note from them. And they don't really slap whereas you cannot. I think it is physically impossible for you to not like vibe out to the What's New Scooby-Doo theme song as well as, <laughs> and this became a, a heated debate in the multitude slack of when you think of Simple Plan, what song do you think of? Because for me, it was I'd Do Anything. Like that is the number one song, no question. But then everybody else brought a different thing to the table. Like Schneider had a different one. Eric, Eric Silver had a different answer. So I think Simple Plan is is very solid. Their harmonies are so good. Yeah, they are pretty it's tight. It's like, they're tight. It is funny that, them and these other bands were like, oh, yeah, punk music, we're the badasses. And then, like, the claim to fame or, like, a very key part of the genre was, like, really nice harmony. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, we're so, we're so, like, emo grungy, but also, like, perfect, perfectly a bitch. <laughs> I actually, I brought that up in the Slack because when I was editing, you mentioned I'd do anything. And while I know mm-hmm. the song now because I remembered it after I looked it up on YouTube, at the time I was like... I don't know if I could name more than one Simple Plan song, but I could definitely name at least two Smash Mouth songs. But mm. yeah, I just, I wasn't a Simple Plan boy, I guess. I wasn't either. I wish one of my bigger regrets in my growing up phase is that I was too concerned with like popularity clicks and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was music I liked, but I was afraid to like 
get into it too deeply because then it would make me in a different group. So I, I, I skewed away from some of the punkier, gothier stuff because I was not into Hot Topic and all that kind of stuff. And I was afraid that I would get that association. But like, I'm so mad that I was so late to come around on bands like Paramore, mm, which mm-hmm. Sixth Grade Mike was like, oh, it's a punk band and they have a girl singer. Like, I can't like this band. <laughs> I hate that I used to think about that because now like, uh, I, th- I listen to still uh still into you mm-hmm. i think once a day yeah it's a great <laughs> like, track it's the baseline for that is so good they don't like there's a lot of those bands from that area that don't hold up uh paramore mm-hmm. does and if you haven't listened yes. to Haley williams recent stuff uh anyone out there and or mike go listen I, to I, it it's great i will have to yeah and also i know they're good people like they don't even play misery business which is such a good song they don't play that when they perform live anymore because it's about woman hating and right. like women being competitive towards men and all that kind of stuff. I appreciate that. I wish they would just like change the lyrics or something, like make it a, a positivity song or something and just keep everything else the same yeah. because gosh, that song slaps. But yeah, I think, I think there, there are not many regrets that I have in the, in regards to my wedding, but Kelly and I didn't realize how much we loved still into you until like, two months after and that is a shame is that we, we didn't put it on the wedding playlist and julia would have gone wild mm-hmm. <laughs> all right third question another little bit of a, a general one trying to get you to, to pick some of your favorites here uh, this one's from rivka she her hi mike my name is rivka and i'm a huge fan of the podcast and i'm so freaking excited for modern muckraker me too yeah Anyways, my question is, what's your favorite part of researching mysteries? And what's your favorite part of recording with guests competing against each other? I know that she meant against each other, but her phone autocorrected it to Agassi. Oh, like Andre Agassi, the tennis player. (laughs) I'll have to get him and Pete Sampras on the pod. uh, See if they still have a rivalry. As far as preparing the mysteries, the most fun is when I try to guess it, especially because I usually am wrong. I do get very invested in trying to guess who is guilty. Mm. I find it very fun, especially when it's Encyclopedia Brown, because I feel like, especially after doing a lot of them, it's right in my wheelhouse now where I should be able to get them right. So I get them right a lot more frequently than I used to because I know the signs. I know the formula to look at. So I think that's my favorite part is like actually trying to figure it out myself. From recording with the guests, I think any when they when they get invested, which usually happens after after revealing who got it right and wrong after the first mm-hmm. mystery, it's like that meme where people are playing video games sitting back and then the guy sits up. <laughs> like it, it's that meme because you'll hear people be like, "Oh yeah, mysteries, blah blah blah," and then if their opponent gets it right and they don't, they're like, "Okay, now I know what's going on," <laughs> and like they start taking better notes. They sit more upright in their chair. <laughs> Seeing people get invested as well is so fun and that's why i try as hard as i can to get people that have some sort of connection to each other whether they're co-hosts or they're in a relationship Mm -hmm. or whatever because any anything where people will take it more seriously than it warrants makes it so fun definitely super duper fun because someone doesn't always get the uh, misery loves company bonus point we don't quite know your accuracy ratio of correct yeah. guesses. Do you have an idea, a general idea of how many you get right? Uh, I would say, I would say it's probably like 50%. The thing with, basically, if you're listening and I don't say a Misery Loves Company bonus point, it means I got it right. So if mm. I don't say it, I nailed it. 
But with Scooby-Doo, I always just guess the first person. Right. So sometimes that does help, but other times it puts me at a handicap because I will be watching and halfway through the episode, I will guess who it is, but I've already guessed that it's the first person. <laughs> so, you know, I have to I have to stick to my guns there. So, yeah, I, I haven't kept exact stats. That would be a very fun thing that I hope at some point you know, say the show explodes into super fandom because we get a good amount of listens. But if we get to the point where people make a wiki and all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. I would love if someone crunched the numbers of like number of points given, best performing guests, Mm -hmm. number of bonus points given. We should do a tournament of champions. I'm very, very highly considering that for a season five, which is exactly what they did in Taskmaster. Mm. Season five was all winners. So I think we could make something happen, a champion of champions. And yeah, maybe we pick the people who won by the most or scored the most points, whatever. I think... This show lends itself to someone doing a statistical deep dive. It could just show up on a subreddit where someone's like, I listen to everything and I tallied all the numbers. <laughs> so one day, maybe one of those things will pop up and I think it would be very fun. And one day I will do host duties for you as a gift and you will be able to <gasps> participate. <laughs> that would be, I mean, that would be very fun. I have thought of that, but I didn't want to put that impetus on anyone. Yeah. So the fact that you've offered, I will gladly take you up on that. That could be a very fun episode. Like me versus Kelly with you as a host, mm-hmm. I think could be truly phenomenal. Yep. I bet. I bet. I bet Kelly is so freaking good at <laughs> doing oh, these mysteries. I mean, yeah, she was in that in that Paul Bay episode, uh, season one, episode four. She her notes. She took multiple pages, <laughs> pages plural. I think it was four total pages of notes. <laughs> she took it so seriously. I love it. All right, let's move on to our final question from Nathan. Hey, Mike. Hope you're doing well. It's Nathan, one of the moderators on the Facebook group. So my question was, what do you think the pros and cons are to recording in your house versus recording in the studio? Thanks so much and continue to be a meddling adult. Ooh, okay. Easy pro of the studio. It sounds better and there's no sirens and there's no <laughs> car horns and there's no ambulances and fire trucks and construction. The the noise all aspects of noise are better at the studio. It is also nicer because then I can use the studio computer to RX it rather than say like, hey, Brandon, uh, could you please RX these files for me? <laughs> and that means to, to clean up the audio after after we record it. And it's, and it's an easy process, but it does just involve a lot of time because it takes like sometimes 20 minutes for a file to run through and the uh, the software is expensive and I do not have a license on my personal computer but we do on the studio and Brandon has it so Brandon is very generous and RX is it sometimes that that's a big pro I would say the biggest pro of recording at home is that the commute is a lot shorter from my be- my bedroom <laughs> like walking from the kitchen to the bedroom is a lot quicker than hopping on a ferry and going to the studio Still a lot of traffic though weirdly <laughs> yeah there's there's this one lady in my house that just she walks <laughs> so slow and takes up so much room so that would be the plus there another con of recording at home i've said this on a couple different of my podcasts and and stuff but uh my home rig picks up am radio frequencies sometimes cannot explain it and i've tried to buy new interfaces and new xlr cables and nothing fixes it Hmm. no matter what i do sometimes my system at home broadcasts AM radio frequencies and then it's background in the track so you'll just hear a faint like how great is our God (laughs) and yes it is a Christian rock station that it broadcasts so I guess like there's some AM radio tower near my apartment I don't know what it is because I'll take the same equipment and when I recorded when I was home in Texas for a few months during quarantine I got nothing so I think it is specifically 
based on the location of my bedroom. And that always sucks because the only way to fix it is just to move stuff around, just like move the things in different layouts. So it'll just, uh, it'll just plant all of that. And then I just have to record, stop recording and listen back and then see if it, uh, see if it's making noise. And that's super fun. Uh, and definitely a cool experience. I wonder, you should look up, um, on Google maps if you are next to a transmitter. Yeah. I'll have to, maybe next time it's really loud, I'll try to hear what, you know, W S U C K it is. (laughs) And then I'll, I'll see if they're really close to me, but yeah, it is, uh, not fun, not ideal when you're, when you're a podcaster. So yeah, uh, many, very few cons at the studio aside from that. I have to go to the studio. (laughs) That's, that's really about it. The only con for the studio for me is that I don't get to hear your exasperation when you do have sirens. <laughs> That's true. It gives Brandon less content for cold opens. Because, <laughs> gosh, I love, 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 love those cold opens. They're very fun. I, it is it is such a fun surprise to, to see what Brandon has elected as... <laughs> The cold open because there's many silly a thing that will happen, and uh, it's it's always fun to see what you've chosen. <laughs> From my perspective, I think um, uh, because you are so practiced at this point, like you recording at home, your room doesn't sound that much different. There's a little bit more reverb, obviously, and the sirens, mm-hmm. but uh, recording at home for guests who don't have experience doing that. Woofa doofa. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Guests can get really not and not just really your guests echo-y. specifically, everyone's guests, but Oh, every podcast, everyone. Yeah, yeah, people just like record in the echoiest room of their house. I really enjoy this has happened a couple of times on meddling adults where people record in their apartment from home and they're significant other roommate person they live with is just like doing stuff also <laughs> in that room and just making noise. There was, I think. I, I, this was an episode of Potterless, but when we had the uh, the some of the Star Kid folks on, a significant other just started like making dinner, and you could just hear dishes clanging around and stuff like that. So, so sometimes that is frustrating, but yeah, like uh, from an editing perspective, I, I can imagine like any anytime you have echo and stuff like that, it just makes it harder to it just makes it harder to be more pinpoint with an echo because. If someone has no echo, you can cut immediately after they start making a noise. Whereas if they're in an echoey room or something, you have to let more sound go. Otherwise, it makes the cut more obvious. Right. So that can be very frustrating. Yep. But yeah, the key, the key, as Brandon has taught me, is just if you have a lot of stuff in your room that helps, you don't necessarily need to spend a bunch of money on foam and soundproofing material and all that. You just need things in your room. And that's basically what we've got. In, in my bedroom at home, I just talk facing the bed. Our headboard used to be made out of soundproofing material, but then uh, we had a mold issue, so we had to get rid of it, and now we have a new headboard that still kind of absorbs the noise. But yeah, I just got a bunch of stuff in my room, yep. and that just knocks out all of the sound, which is nice. Yeah, that works for uh, podcast recording, but for home musicians, don't do that. It doesn't absorb bass frequencies. It only absorbs high frequencies. Ah. So, um, finally... Let's go to Nathan's postscript, and I want to talk about this with you. Ooh, ooh. Nathan says, I'm so glad to hear that Modern Muckraker reached its funding goal. Hope to hear it soon. So, Mike, tell me about Modern Muckraker. What's going on? Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, I mean, we are recording this on 
April 23rd, a Friday. I think I'm going to post this on the next Wednesday, April 28th. So if you're listening to this at any time before 10.58 a.m. Eastern time on Thursday, April 29th, (laughs) that means the Kickstarter is still live. I've talked about it in the ad reads on the show and a bunch of other places, but Modern Muckraker is a podcast that we're launching a Kickstarter for. We have been funded, so it is going to happen, but now it's just a question of what stretch goals do we hit? And it's a podcast where I'm going to be playing a character who is fully convinced that he is completing the world's most important investigative journalism. But in reality, we're going to be answering much sillier questions such as when should Spider-Man take the subway instead of web swinging? So it will sound like you're listening to a podcast like Serial that is very intense and scrutinous and thorough, but the questions at their core are absurd But me as the host is fully in belief that he is doing the world a favor by getting to the bottom of it. Mm -hmm. So I will be serving as the host. Brandon will be serving as our sound designer and editor, which is very exciting. And yeah, if we hit different stretch goals, we can do more stuff like currently the plan is to release it in late 2021. Our first stretch goal at 35K is to move it up, so it'll be in the fall. That'll be fun. It's currently planning to be a four-episode season, but one of the next stretch goals is to make it a five-episode season, so lots of fun possibilities there. If you want to support, you can go to bit.ly slash modernmuckraker, and if you're listening to this after the fact and you just want to learn more about the show, our website is modernmuck.com. That also has links to the Kickstarter and stuff, but we'll also be putting information about the show as uh, as we release it, like as we add more people to the team. Yeah, I'm so excited. We did a uh, proof of concept audio piece a while back now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like the tone and style of it is so fun. And I'm excited to see what writers you get to work with on different episodes and who we get to help produce it and all those kind of things. I'm very excited to build that team. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. And I have enjoyed that of of as I continue in my making new podcasts in my podcasting career, they just become like more and more me as it goes on. And like, if you ever wanted me personified in a podcast, Modern Muckraker is it <laughs> because it's taking my science brain and my nerd brain and then putting it under a veil of like, acting more, you know, jokingly being serious about something that doesn't necessarily warrant that level of scrutiny. And uh, I think it's going to be very fun. And yeah, like going from the concept to when you put together the sound design stuff for it to to take it from script to making it sound like one of these podcasts, like the fucking marimbas that you <laughs> added, the little xylophones in the background to, to make it sound like an official scripted, you know, New York Times podcast or whatever. Oh, it's just, it's so funny. And I am very excited to make it exist. So if anyone has enjoyed the joy that has come from me doing meddling adults, it's only going to be that much more uh, in modern muckraker because it's just going to be me truly in my element. And 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 I would assume from you from a, a sound design perspective too, because with join the party, like you are very intent on making it sound exactly like the settings. And though that is fun, like I'm sure that can be pretty hard to like be doing a serious job. So for you to be able to take like your serious skills to something where like you just have to make it sound it's funny by sounding good mm-hmm. like, I, like it's it's got to be a blast on your end, I hope. Oh, I get to I get to essentially 
uh, satirize NPR and New York Times <laughs> by doing this podcast. And that's that's my life goal. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited. I'm glad you said that. It just sparked me of what my one of my favorite jokes when I did improv comedy with comedy sports in Seattle. It's a short form improv comedy thing. So like think whose line is it anyway? But it was all sports branded. So it's like whose line if the points mattered, teams would go head to head. And one of the games we would play is a game called radio where everyone would stand up on the stage and then the host, who is a referee, would have a flashlight. And then you would go one person to the other, and then they would just be different radio stations. And every time the flashlight moved, it was like you were turning the knob. Mm. And for the most part, what people would do is they would sing, and then you'd have to like improvise, sing a song. And every time the flashlight went back onto you, you had to be a new song or whatever. So someone's like, you're the country music station, or you're the whatever. So... I would always do the joke of I would get I would pick NPR A because I can't sing and then B because it's a funny joke where as everyone else's music and then I would be last and I'd be like I will be the NPR station and then I would always just have such a blast because like the flash would go go on me and I'd be like broccoli was first grown by uh, Stephen broccoli and and getting to make fun of that kind of stuff is a hoot so yeah you getting to satirize it. It's going to be very, very yeah, fun. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. I'm excited. Thank you to everyone who's donated. Mm-hmm. And thank you to everyone who sent in questions for this mailbag. Yes. And thank you, Brandon, for helping make this happen. Asking the questions and chatting with me. This was a fun little time. And for everyone wondering when is season four going to come out, the the answer right now is I don't know. Because uh, <laughs> there's a lot of things up in the air in terms of we don't even know when the release date for Modern Muckraker is since that is stretch goal dependent. Also, I don't know how much work that's going to be but i will say that the break between seasons three and four is going to be a little longer just because i have more on my plate and i would like to sleep and (laughs) (laughs) breathe coward (laughs) it's probably going to be a little bit longer but i would imagine sometime in like late summer early fall-ish of 2021 is the plan, but that'll just depend on how work goes down for Modern Muckraker and some of the other shows, but it's going to be good. We have some guests that are already in line that I'm very excited about trying to get on the pod, so it's going to be a really fun time working on getting a lot of new mysteries into the play. Lots of people have given suggestions for new mystery series, Mm. so I'm really going to try to ramp that up. So though the break will be a little bit longer, I promise that it will be worth it and it'll be another wonderful season of Meddling Adults. And if anyone has direct access to um, the Obamas, that will be a really fun episode. So yes. if you could get Barack and Michelle on there, mm-hmm. let's let's hit that yeah, up. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll get the Renegades on. Yeah, you know? <laughs> get uh get Barack and Bruce and I'll teach Barack Obama how to talk into a microphone and not, you know, live with live with it out here. Uh <laughs> Where it's just out here, yeah, this is how I talk when I do podcasts. It's me, Barack Obama. Can you imagine being that engineer, though, and being like, Oh, Mr. Barack, could you, uh, Mr. President, can you get closer you, to your microphone a little bit? Could you please just get, could you please just get closer to the microphone? Please, Mr. Barack Obama, please get closer to the microphone. <laughs> please. And then he has you killed with his CIA connections. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. And then Bruce, it's like, Bruce, you don't have to hold it. (laughs) You're not on stage. Why are you playing guitar? Bruce, stop. (laughs) 